Brothers and sisters, I, uh, I share the same sentiment as Ethan. Uh, last week was just an incredible blessing for uh, just seeing the life that is in our church. Um, just really grateful for all of you. Uh, enjoy all of you. For those who missed it, we're going to probably do it again next year, the same thing. We'll see. Depending on your feedback forms, we'll find out. Um, but uh, it has, uh, it's been like five weeks since I've been behind this thing. How does it work? Um, my goodness, we'll find out. I, and and uh, I will say that today is not going to be a normal uh, kind of message. Uh, I'll explain in just a second. Next Sunday, we're going to be back in the Gospel of John. We're going to hopefully finish that by 2024. Um, we've been in it for a while, probably since 2022, 2021. What was it? It's been a while. Uh, but today is going to be a little different because today, uh, 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 last month, in the month of July, uh, there was a lot of ministry things that happened in my personal life. Uh, part of that was getting to be the camp pastor for a summer camp for our teens, which was incredible. You'll hear more about that next week. Um, but even before that, just a few days before that, I also had the privilege of uh, being sent by all of you uh, to go to the country of Jordan uh, and uh, serve on a mission trip there. Um, and so first, I just want to express uh, my humble gratitude that you guys would kind of steward me in that way and, and send me over there. Uh, my wife has some qualms with you guys for sending me, but other than I'm just kidding. She actually was really glad to have me gone. Um, I don't know how she felt about me going, apparently. Um, but I am, I am really grateful that, uh, that I got to go. Thank you for investing in the mission of God because God is a global God. His gospel needs to go to every person. Uh, the reality is, is that people cannot get to the Father apart from the Son. And if they have not heard about the good news about the Son, then they don't get the Father. And so we have to go and make disciples in every nation. And you guys have this conviction. We share this commitment to the global mission of God as we love God, love people, and make disciples. That making disciples is supposed to happen across the world. It's supposed to happen cross-culturally in different nations and different people groups. And uh, so today I'm actually going to be sharing about the trip that I went on. Uh, to Jordan. I'm going to give you pictures and videos, share testimonies of how God worked. And, and my hope and my prayer in this is that, that you're not amazed at anything other than God advancing his kingdom. That, that this whole time you're just sitting in awe of King Jesus advancing the front lines of his kingdom uh, all over the world, especially in Jordan. So let me get you acquainted with a few of the faces that you'll see in some of these pictures. Uh, first, there's the guy on the right, and then there's the guy on the left. So next, um, actually, I'm just kidding. So that's Pastor Blake Wood. Pastor Blake uh, pastors the church in Harrisonburg uh, that we planted uh, in 2000 from our church. So it's Faith Community Church, uh, and you guys probably know that church very well. You might have even some relationships there, but Blake Wood is now pastoring there. And he had some connections in Jordan. Uh, he actually has history there, uh, and he wanted to go, and he, uh, and he and I got to go uh, together on this trip. And for those of you who don't know where Jordan is, uh, it's kind of right in the Middle East next to Israel. And let me see if I can get my laser going. Pa-pow! So we've got Israel, Egypt, right? So Jordan is right here, and you can tell that it's kind of outlined by uh, some different nations, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Syria. And you can kind of, if you can remember some of the history of Iraq and some of what's going on in Syria, 
uh, Jordan isn't exactly the, the, the best or the quote-unquote the safest place to go in certain parts of Jordan. I'll explain that in a little bit. But uh, we had a lot of work to do in Amman, and we did a lot of work along up in this area, but I will uh, have to talk about that later when, uh, when we have a time where uh, the security live stream actually goes down. I'll, I'll announce, that's not now, Dave. I'll tell you later. Um, uh, but there will be a time where we've got some secure things that we can't talk about on live stream. So that'll be coming up. So live stream, we'll see you uh, afterwards when that comes, but not now. Uh, the, the trip that we went on kind of broke down into three main parts, right? Three main parts. One of it was kind of pastoral work. Some of it was preaching. I got a lot of chances to preach. I'll tell about those. I got a lot of chance to do some home visits with the pastors there. So that was kind of one category. Another category was revitalization and training. Uh, I'll explain what that means, but we got to gather a lot of the leaders in the, in the, in the country, uh, in the church, and uh, kind of do some revitalization work and train them on prayer, and I'll tell you more about that in a bit. And then the third category of work, which was one of my most like, cherished parts, was work that we got to do among an unreached people group, which I'll explain that, and that's the secure part that I'll, I'll get to. Now, let me kind of tell you a little bit about Jordan itself as a country, right? The, 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 the population of Jordan is about 13 million people. The country of Jordan itself is about the size of Maine. So there's 13 million people in that kind of demographic or that geographic area. And guess how many are Jordanian? About 40% of Jordan are actually Jordanians. 60% of them break down into different categories of refugees from different areas uh, like Syria, Iraq, and Palestine. Uh, let me try to give some, some of the background there. Uh, if you can remember some of what happened in Palestine with the, uh, in, in like 1948 to 1967, after all of that kind of happened, there are now about 5 million Palestinian refugees in the country of Jordan. And if you can remember, Syria is ran- like just so bombarded with civil war that a lot of millions of, of Syrian refugees have fled Syria down into Jordan. And in fact, uh, you also can remember what happened with Iraq, right? Uh, Iraq, the Iraqi war, what happened in 2001 and later on, 2004. And, and that did some of the work of, of, of refugees fleeing Iraq. But also, if you can remember, ISIS back in like 2014 time, right? Some of you may have even been involved in those wars, if I might uh, be wrong in that. But, but the, if you can remember this, how many of you recognize this symbol? Only a few, because it's not very popular. This is the Arabic letter N, or R-N. It's actually noon. Can you say noon? Yeah, it's, it's N, noon. And uh, for short, uh, th- this was a symbol that was being painted on people's homes. You may have heard this in the news. When ISIS invaded Iraq, or started to take over different parts of Iraq, there were Christians in Iraq, Iraqi Christians, and ISIS was targeting them. And so what would happen is, neighbors would go up to homes of Christians and spray paint the noon on their home. You can see it here as well. The word or the letter noon was symbolic for Nazarene, which means these are people who associate with the Nazarene, which we know as Jesus, right? Neighbors outing neighbors, ISIS trying to hunt them down. So Iraqis fled. And there are about like maybe three million Iraqi refugees 
in Jordan now because they were trying to flee for their lives. So all in all, Jordan is one of the top nations per capita to be hosting refugees from from the Middle East, from Iraq, Syria, Palestine. And, And here's the problem they're having, right? With such a demographic of their population, they are not allowing a lot of refugees, most of the refugees, to work or to go to school. They're, they're trying to keep their culture. They're trying to preserve some of the Jordanian way, right? And so they're, not, they're, they're barring a lot of people from school, all these refugees from school and from, from work. So, so that's kind of the background. That's not some of the context of what's going on in Jordan right now. Now, some of you uh, might know what's going on religiously in Jordan. Obviously, we know Jordan is an Islamic uh, country, right? There, uh, 90 almost percent of them are Islam uh, or follow Islam. They're Muslim, uh, which is technically the term for the individual who follows the way of Islam. Now, uh, Christianity is not forbidden in Jordan. It is allowed. Uh, in, 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 it's okay for there to be Christians in the country, uh, but the problem is proselytizing is forbidden. What proselytizing is, it's, it's an effort of mine to try to convert an individual to follow Christ. I can't do that. That's what's forbidden. That's the no-no. You have to let the person show interest in your Jesus in order for you to be like, well, yeah, let me tell you about Jesus. And you can kind of mention his name and things like that. So some of it's free, some of it's not. There's some restriction there. But one of the things that Jordan, the country, has tried to do to limit Christianity is they only allow five denominations to exist in their country. Only five. You know how many we have in our country? Uh, I don't even want to know. (laughs) It is unbearably ridiculous how many we have. They only allow five. They allow Christian Missionary Alliance. They allow Baptists. They allow Nazarenes. They allow Presbyterians. And then they allow Evangelical Free. And those are kind of like the five main evangelical denominations they allow. They allow Greek Orthodox, they allow some of the others, but the Protestant religions, the evangelical denominations, uh, those are the five that are mainly allowed. Of the 13 million people in Jordan, 0.27% are evangelical. Evangelical is, is basically those who affirm the gospel that we would hold to here, right? That's kind of the universal term in that sense. That's about 30,000 people in the whole country of Jordan out of 13 million. About 30,000 are evangelical. In the whole country of Jordan alone, there are 62 local churches, like Protestant evangelical churches. 62. Guys, I went on Google and started searching churches in Augusta County, and I stopped counting at 200. In Augusta County, and in one country alone, there's only 62 local churches. By the way, when I did that search, I found out that we show up on like page nine. I don't know why we're so far down. We got to do your Google reviews. That'll help. <laughs> now, because Christianity is allowed, it, it, there's permissions for it, uh, there are certain parts of the city, Amman, that are known to be Christian. Uh, so there's this one time, uh, there's this little part of the city called Fuhez. Can you say Fuhez? That was a good try. I like it. Fuhez. And as we were kind of driving through it, I was sitting in the back, and we had uh, one, of our, one of the pastors on site. I'll introduce you to him in just a minute. Uh, one of the pastors and Pastor Blake, and they were kind of t- 
talking back and forth as we were driving through Fahez. And they were talking about how this is a Christian part of the town. And they were saying that, um, that there were these communion shops throughout the town. Like you could, you could go in and you could buy the elements for the Lord's Supper, like bread and, 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 and wine, drink, right? And so I'm sitting back, wow, this is, this is really a Christian we don't even have that in the States. That's pretty incredible. Like, you just go buy the Lord's Supper, take it when you want. Man, that's awesome. Do they have a priest there, too, or a pastor there to, like, mediate it? Man. So I'm just kind of processing through that. The next day, uh, we are on our way out to this ministry event, and one of the ministers we were with uh, was leading it. And I just kind of asked him, I was like, hey, do you, are you planning to do communion at this event? He's like, no, I don't typically, but I, I, I might could. I was like, well, I think we're in Fahez. We could go to these communion shops. Like, they have these communion shops here that you could go buy bread and, and, and the drink so, so you could take communion with whoever you want. And he was like, really? And I looked at one of the uh, indigenous, one of the local uh, Jordanian pastors, and he kind of was like, what are you talking about? And so I'm sitting there kind of process. I say, Blake, back me up, man. What, what are these communion shops you're talking about? He's like, Scott, those are the liquor stores that are owned by Christians. <laughs> you can go in and get wine whenever you want. And I'm like, oh, I'm so naive written on the ceiling, right? Anyways. So, yeah, there's, there, there's not actual communion shops. They're just like gin stores and things like that. But so, so with that, though, uh, ju- even though per- like Christianity is permitted, it's allowed, um, there still is persecution uh, of Christians. In fact, most of the Christians who are persecuted are actually the ones doing the most redemptive work. They're actually the ones who are taking most seriously their faith in Christ Jesus, who are kind of on the front lines doing ministry. They're the ones who are getting persecuted the most. The churches who are staying quiet there, just like they kind of go unnoticed. But go figure, right? Now, our church, we are part of a network of churches, the Free Methodist Church, that has churches in Jordan. And, and we're mainly, uh, during our time there, we were connected with three of those churches with their pastors. Now, I'm going to start introducing you to these three different churches, these three different pastors. So, so now we're thinking of some of this work one of our, our base of work, where we kind of stayed in and where we came out and were launched out into the different parts of Amman, was in a place called Hashmi. And in Hashmi, there is a Free Methodist Church there. Hashmi Free Methodist Church. You can see in Arabic and then in English uh, what, 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 what those signs says. And this church, this Hashmi Free Methodist Church, is pastored by Pastor Rami and his wife Rima. Pastor Rami, actually Dave Simpson just met Pastor Rami down at General Conference in Orlando, which is really cool. Um, Pastor Rami and Rima, they've been serving there for a while, and uh, this is their family, four kids. And uh, by the way, uh, J- Pastor Rami had something that he wanted to share uh, with my wife and to all of you, uh, so I'm just going to play that real quick. Oh my goodness. All right, Rami, <laughs> say what you need to say. Please. Forgive me. <laughs> I send my apologies to you because I believe after this food in Jordan, after his trip in Jordan, I think maybe he will be above his weight, maybe 10 or 15 kilos. <laughs> so sorry for that. 
you could not pick that up, he was apologizing because I was going to gain a lot of weight while I was eating there. <laughs> so I sent that to my wife. He was apologizing to Caitlin for the food. Um, but that, so that's Pastor Rami. Uh, and and, and um, I can't go into too many details, but, but they have both been, uh, su- they have suffered persecution. Uh, and I, I, that's about all I can say about that right now. Uh, but one of the reasons why is because they are pushing the front lines of ministry. They're doing some incredible work there. So, so uh, keep in mind this idea, this problem that refugees, millions of people in Jordan are barred from education. They're barred from working, right? So what do we do? How do we, how do, we do redemptive work in that context? Well, the Hashmi Church has figured out a way. About eight to ten years ago, the, the church started a school for Iraqi refugees, it's called the Good Samaritan School. And so what you can see here, there's Pastor Blake, there's Pastor Rami, there's me. And then right there, that's Inez. Inez is the director of this school. And I got to be kind of getting a tour. I got to see the kids while they were there. I mean, they're singing praises to Jesus. They're doing all this stuff. It is incredible, the things that are happening in this school. And the school services about 82 students. There are 82 kids in this school. And while we were there... They were graduating. Basically, they were graduating their level to move on to the next. And so uh, it was a really cool opportunity. This place was packed. It was standing room only. It was crazy. And I got the chance, by God's grace, to preach at their graduation. Um, Keep in mind, we're preaching to Iraqi refugees mostly. Some of them are Muslim. Most of them are, in a way, kind of Christian some of them nominal. What do you say? Hey, I'm, I'm an American pastor, and Jesus loves you, right? You guys had to flee your home, right? You, people targeted you. Well, I got to preach there, and, and I will say that, that this uh, opportunity to preach was probably the most spiritually intense time of my trip there. Uh, I, I, I've never kind of experienced such uh, obvious opposition from Satan uh, with lies, with deceit, with insecurity, with doubts. I've never felt something like I did before this. But I got up and I preached the gospel. I preached it from John 11. And uh, uh, like it was just an incredible time. Um, but I, I loved how I was like, Lord, I'm, I'm hearing this and I, I need truth. And he was like, download, and it was awesome. Sorry, that's a very immature to talk about the Lord, but that's what happened. So while we were with this Hashmi church, we did, uh, I did some uh, pastoral visitations, got to visit some families, some of these Iraqi refugee families, uh, and it was an incredible blessing to be with them. Now, uh, there's more work with this church that I will go on in just a little bit to talk about. Um, Can't talk about it now. Let's move on to the second church. The second church is a, church, a free Methodist church that's in Marca. Can you say Marca? Marca, yeah. So this is their church sign. I don't take church building pictures. I take pictures of their sign. I don't know why. But basically, that, that actually says something along the lines of Marca Nazarene Evangelical Holiness Renaissance. Now, but Scott, I thought you said that was free Methodist church. Well, it is. But the free Methodists aren't allowed in Jordan. <laughs> and so there's actually, they're flying cover under the Nazarene church, uh, which is how we get to have our churches there. So 
We got to do some work with this church. Uh, we got to do some visitations with them. Uh, actually, let me show you on, on, the, on the right, this couple on the right. Uh, that's Pastor Issa and that's Reem, his wife. And Pastor Issa has worked with Campus Crusade for Christ uh, for many years, he and his wife, which is really cool. But now they're pastoring this church in Marca. And Pastor Issa's vision for his ministry, for their church, is to disciple the forgotten Jordanians. Because remember, now they're the minority in their country, categorically refugee Jordanian. And so, so his hope and effort is to engage the Jordanian believers and to reach Jordanian Muslims and bring Christ to them. And so part of what we got to do with them is we, this was actually one of the visitations. We got to visit this couple. They kept bringing out food, y'all. It was insane. I was like, hey, round one, that, well, I didn't know it was round one. I thought, oh, that was great. Here's round two. Oh, that was great. Here's round three. I'm like, stop it. But anyways, so I, I, and, and, uh, I did gain about 15 kilos um, because of all that. But, so we got to do some visitation with church members. This was one of them. Um, but we also got to visit with his leadership team. Uh, and, and you can see his worship leader, you can see some of his trustees sort of thing. And uh, we, what we did is we just kind of spent time seeking the Lord together. We prayed for their church. It was a really cool thing to hear their story, hear what's happening and what their heart is for their church. Uh, so we got to pray with them there. Now we also had a chance, I had, I had the chance to uh, not only, oh, I will get there in a second. That's a church service. I'm about to explain that. I got trigger happy with this. Uh, that we got to, I got a chance to attend one of their services in this church. And uh, and that's just a little snippet of what their worship looks like. It was really cool. I, I, uh, I didn't know what they were singing at all, so I would take my iPhone and Google Translate every slide, and I could actually see what they're singing. It was kind of fun. Um, but we also, I also got a chance to preach there. Apparently, I'm wanting to give somebody a high five. But I got a chance to preach there on faith, on fear, and it was a really cool opportunity. Afterwards, I got a chance to pray with a lot of people who said, like, I struggle with doubt and fear, and I want greater faith. And, and Pastor Issa and I got to pray with a lot of his church members. It was a really cool time. So that's the Marca Church uh, with the uh, Free Methodist Church. And that's kind of some of the opportunity there. Uh, now we're flipping to another church, the third church that we got to do a lot of work with. And uh, let me just kind of show you who he is. This is Pastor Hytham. And he pastors another church in Marca. That is a, is, is a growing church. And, and he is also, in his ministry, their church is focusing a lot on refugees as well. They're focusing a lot on Iraqi uh, refugees, some Syrian as well. They also started a school for Iraqi refugees, for refugee students. And it is growing. It's, it's incredible. Uh, but keep in mind some of what happened to these kids that caused them to flee. Most of these schools are actually trying to do trauma care, right? That's some of their work. Some of their main work is trying to do trauma care. So one of the things they showed me when I walked into this school was this picture where they tried to get these kids to paint before and after, before what life was like in Iraq with ISIS and what life has been like since they've moved. Now, keep in mind, uh, in Arabic, you read right to left, not left to right. So, so that's why... Uh, before is on the right and after is on the left. But let me show you a little bit of what this looked like. You can see over here, this was what life was like before. And you can see these planes that are shooting. You can see the Iraqi flag is burnt. The ISIS, ISIS has come in with their tanks, with things, and they've killed. 
There's been explosions. These, these are kids drawing this. You can see, apparently, this kid saw someone killed and somebody be happy about it. You can see that, what symbol is that? The noon. You can see it's seared in their minds. These kids have gone through intense trauma. And what they've done is they've actually tried to do... Some of the best trauma work happens when a, when a person is willing to, willing to face the trauma that they've been through. Willing to actually rethink through it again. Some of the hardest ways to try to counsel in that is if they're unwilling to go back or remember things. But if they're willing to be, remember the, what happened... Uh, this is part of that process, and it's redemptive. And then you can see, uh, some of this might be propaganda for the country of Jordan, uh, but this is a lot of, uh, you can see his church, right? Like how his church has meant so much to this child. You can see the people in the church, they come and they help us. That's what it says down at the bottom here. Just, just some incredible redemptive work. And this is not all this church does, this third Marka church. They also do work in woodshop. They hire refugees to work in different ways. And some of the things they make are just beautiful. So you remember, what sign is that again? Noon. It's the Nazarene. These are those who are associated with Jesus, right? And so instead of taking that and making it a target, they've made it a battle cry. And they said, we w- we're willing to associate with Jesus. We're willing to identify ourselves with him. And so they've made these, which are just really beautiful. Uh, and they have this wood shop where they make all sorts of products, all sorts of crafts that are just beautiful. And actually, you can go online and order them. They're all made by Iraqi refugees. It's just incredible. And what they do is they, they hire these Iraqi refugees and they piece them together, piece by piece. Let me see if I can get some more. So I, I've got some. You can see what they're making here, right? Just this incredible artwork out of this olive wood that comes from all the olive trees that, 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 that grow there. Just different work that's being done there. Just incredible. Now, we also got a chance to be a part of not their main church service, but we got a chance to attend their staff meeting. You see, all of those people at the wood shop, at the craft shop, there's a sewing shop, the school, the church, all of those people every day come together at 8.30 in the morning and they have a worship gathering. And so, I mean, what a really cool thing to do, right? It's very redemptive in that sense. And, and so they bring everyone together. They have, that's their worship leader. That's the band. And so we got to attend this kind of chapel service twice. Blake got to preach at one of them. Uh, and uh, he preached on uh, like worshiping the Lord in the heat of the battle, which is really cool. And then I got a chance to preach. Now, I will just say, I found out I was preaching here uh, 12 hours before I was preaching here. Uh, and so talking about like needing the let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, but I got to preach, uh, and, and God was faithful to give a good word that was really helpful. By the way, their mission there is love God, love people, and make disciples. Or actually, it's serve people. Same, almost thing, right? Really cool. But at this chance to preach, um, like, just some weird, some really cool things happened. Uh, this church hosts some different missionaries, so I met a young lady from South Bend, Indiana, who has been there for a few months and plans to be there for five years. I met uh, another lady from the UK who was at this church service, and, and she's got similar ambitions to be there. Single ladies, right? Like, praise the Lord for, for them. But the, the one from South Bend, Indiana, her name was Madison. 
And after I preached that message, she came up and she was just in tears. I couldn't figure out why. And she said, uh, Scott, um, I- I've been here for this long. I don't know Arabic. I don't know anyone. And I feel just absolutely useless. Guys, missionary work is not clean and fun. It can be really hard. It can be really lonely. And so she's in tears talking about these struggles. And I, I just preached on, on, on the focus of the intimacy of Christ and, 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 and just relationship with him. And, and she said, like, Scott, like, what you said reminded me of the importance of why I'm here. Ultimately, it's just being in relationship with Jesus and presenting myself to him for usefulness. And so she, it was really cool to hear that encouragement from her. Uh, so so uh, I had, I had Pastor Blake prayed over her. She walked, and we're walking even a little further, and Pastor Hytham brings this dude up. He's like, this guy just got saved and wants to be baptized. And I'm like, I, I didn't preach like a evangel, like I didn't give an altar call, like I didn't preach evangelistically, like this was to the church, like what on earth? And he's like, yeah, he's just, he's heard the gospel before, but today is the day he gave his life to Jesus. Like, well, praise God. It's like incredible. So his name is Zaya. He's an Iraqi refugee and he gave his life to Jesus while we were there, which was incredible. Now that's kind of uh, those three churches, kind of what I can talk to you about so far, we'll come back to this church in a little bit as well with some of the other things. Now, so that was some of the pastoral visitation work that we got to do. The second category of work was with revitalization and training, and that's where you get to meet John Mitchell. Uh, John Mitchell is the guy in the middle there, and he is with a ministry called the College of Prayer. The College of Prayer is a resourcing and leadership tool or group that, that leads these events and resources the church towards intimacy with Christ in the upper room of prayer, emphasizing prayer being a real close way to get to the Lord and enjoy His presence. And so one of the things he was doing was he was leading these events throughout Jordan, and we got to be a part of it. Uh, and so, so Blake got to preach at one of them. This one is actually with the Christian Missionary Alliance. We were doing some revitalization work there, uh, and, and we got to do some praying. In fact, at the end of this, uh, the, the, the leaders of the CMA church came together, and they're praying for Jordan. That's the Jordanian flag. We also then got to do some work with, this is the Evangelical Free Church. Uh, we got to bring them together and, and, and train them and, and, and pray with them. Uh, just a really powerful time. Now, I will say that it was in these events where I was mostly impacted, where I was really revived and renewed uh, in my own heart, my own faith in Christ. Some of the convictions that I received uh, in, in those times were just incredible, and I praise the Lord for uh, the work that he did. So yeah, and my role in that was just kind of prayer support. I was available to pray with people and, and, and help whatever needed. I, I, Blake and, and, and John did most of the preaching there. Um, so with that, uh, that is as far as I can go with uh, the live stream going on. So if you're on the live stream, uh, we're about to turn you off for just a second. You'll be back on in just a little bit, so come back for all of this, but I'm just so humbled, so, so grateful, so convicted, um, and again, I want to thank you, um, but the, the question is, ultimately, what, what does some of this mean for us here? Like, what is, what is some of the experience and things that I got to see there? How, how is that going to shape and form some of what's happening here? 
for our church family. Because guys, when I was there, I got, I mean, everywhere I looked, left and right, the church was doing so much redemptive work to push back the causes or the fall and, and, and to bring in the kingdom of God and, and beautiful things at that. But to push back injustice to the refugees, to those who have been displaced, to those who have been forgotten. Like just an incredible ministry there. You know, I'm, I, I, I was praying yesterday morning because I'm trying to figure out how to make this into something that can challenge all of us. And I was praying, I was just reminded of, of God's word in Jeremiah 29. Now, the verse that comes to your mind probably is, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and give you hope, give you a future. Like, like, that's not what I'm talking about. Praise God for that verse, but that's not what I'm talking about because most of us don't actually know what comes before that or why that's even the case. You see, Israel had been totally deported from Jerusalem. Uh, people had been exiled into Babylon. They, didn't, they weren't home. They weren't where they were supposed to be. They were in this foreign land, in this foreign nation, displaced. Guys, the church, we're exiles. We're wanderers. Because we're not home yet. This, this is not where we belong. We're, we're waiting for that day when we actually get to go home to our heavenly city. Right now, we are in a foreign land. And one of the things that God tells these people in Jeremiah 29, which I just love, this is what he says to them in verse 4. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourselves and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Just to give the prophetic word from Pastor Ethan that he said earlier, be fruitful and multiply. Then we get to verse 7. Pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you will thrive. A lot of us look at our city and we say, hmm, that's for the government to take care of. That's for the voted elected officials to be responsible for thinking. We look at our city and we see all the need and we say, oh, that's just too messy. It takes too much from us. It's, it requires too much responsibility on our behalf. Hey, you know what we could do instead is we could just go take our missions overseas and, and then we can come back whenever we want and we can only be involved in those things uh, just for a short amount of time, right? We don't have to be there long. It's very easy for the church to keep our missions overseas. In fact, I love the song by Casting Crowns. Their song, it starts right here. Some of its lyrics says, We keep our missions overseas, but for the hurting in our city, would we even cross the street? But we want to see the hearts set free and the tyrants kneel, the walls fall down and our land be healed. But church, if we want to see a change in the world out there, it's got to start right here. It's got to start right now. You know, I was sitting across from Pastor Hytham, and we're talking about the dynamics of the church, and one of the quotes that he said, I just can't get out of my head. He said, if the church is supposed to be like a hospital, like we always call it, 
Where is our ICU? Where's our intensive care unit for souls that have been devastated by great loss and trauma, for, for hearts that are too caught up in addictions to things? Where, where's our ICU? Where, where, or no, because th- that, that's where things get too messy, right? The, 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 the emergency room, like, that, you, there's too much cleanup afterwards. That kind of ministry is hard. And a lot of us don't even know how to do it well because we're too kind of conflicted between this idea of just enabling bad behavior and empowering people and bringing them into God's design for their lives. We just don't know how to do it. So we, so we have this conflict. Like we, 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 we know God wants us to seek the good of the city that we're in. His good, not their good. But what God says is good. And, and so how do we engage in that? How do, we, how, do, how do we get involved in that in a way where we're not enabling bad behavior or bad lifestyles, but we're, we're meeting people where they are and we're helping them develop and grow. We're helping them to rehabilitate. We're helping them to, to be developed. What, what can we do? What can we be a part of? Because, because church, like why do you think there are so many hospitals and, and, and schools in these areas that are run by churches? It's because they understand the need. It's because they're so motivated by faith in Christ that this is part of the kingdom of God, that they're advancing it. And it's a platform that then gets like, hey, here's a platform and here's Jesus. Let's keep giving them the gospel as we do this. As I, so, so I can say all this, and you know what's funny is I don't know what the next step is. I know it's not that we all of a sudden become a church that cares about the refugees that are in Waynesboro or in Stanton or Stewart's Draft. I, that might be it, but, but or, or, I, I think the best way to move forward is just kind of look within us and see where are we gifted, where are we passionate, and say, okay, then what needs are we equipped to meet in our community? But I'm not sure what that is, and I know that's going to take a little while, so you might have some questionnaires coming your way. But I do know there is ultimately one thing that has to happen in our own hearts. One decision, one conviction that needs to be made. And it comes from one of my favorite verses. In fact, if you've ever been in my church office, you will see this verse on my wall. Acts 20, 24. Paul is talking to the, the elders in Ephesus. He's talking to the church, and he says, but I consider my life not as precious or valuable to me in myself. He says, my purpose is to finish my course in the ministry that was given to me by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that ministry is to testify to the gospel of God's great, redeeming, amazing grace. Guys, each and every one of you have a course and a ministry that you have been appointed to, that the Lord has given to you. And in, in that ministry, you're going to be testifying of God's great, incredible grace in your life for that. But, but are, you, are you serving in that ministry? Are you running that course? If you want to, if you want to make that shift and you don't know how and, and helping people in need, especially in our community, Redemptive Compassion Class, Sundays at 9.15, Pastor Ethan would really help you figure that out. But ultimately, it's not necessarily just that you start to know what your course in your ministry is. But the first part that has to shift is that your life is no longer your own. Your life isn't precious or valuable to you to plunder, to use for your own sake. That's why this verse is so impactful for me. 
because I'm, 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 I'm daily having to wrestle in that place like where I know where, oh, well, this would advance my kingdom. This would advance my purposes. Oh, but my life is not for those purposes anymore. I've played, taken my life and I've put them in the hand of the Lord for him to use as a tool, as an instrument, because my life isn't precious to me anymore. That doesn't mean I'm like, uh, uh, what's, I have low self-esteem. That's not what I'm talking about. My life isn't mine anymore. It doesn't belong to me. Your life doesn't belong to you anymore. It belongs to Jesus. So the question is, how long are you going to hold your own life as valuable and precious to yourself, useful for your own purposes? Because I promise you, as you continue to hold on to that, you'll only find destruction. You'll only find chaos. You'll only find brokenness because you weren't made for you. But as you go to Jesus with what he said, if you seek to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life, give your life up to him for his sake. You will find your life. You'll find your course. You'll find your ministry. Brothers and sisters, our church has a course collectively. Our church has a ministry collectively. And as we run together, my hope and my prayer is that we find out more and more of all the grace that God has stored up in your hearts that's ready to impact the people in our community. But if you're unavailable for his purposes, we won't find out. So that was my trip to Jordan. Thank you. Thank you for your investment in that. Thank you for your commitment to the global mission. At this time, we're, we're going to just, we're going to pray. We're going to seek the face of the Lord. Because some of you need to make that hand off. Some of you need to stop holding your life in your own hand with right knuckles and to release it, give it to the Lord and allow him to use your life to seek the good of the city that we're in. So maybe that's you right now. Maybe you, you need to pray that way. I'm not going to lead you in how to pray that. That's something that you need to do. Pray now. King Jesus, we thank you for those times where we get glimpses of the global reality of your kingdom here on earth. We thank you that you have been given all authority in heaven and on earth and that you are advancing your kingdom all over the world. Would you break our hearts for those places that have yet to have the gospel that we frankly take for granted too many times? Would you keep our hearts broken also for our own city 
as I see these pastors and ministries engaging in the work among the people right around them. I pray, Jesus, that you would give us our course as a church. Give us our ministry for ways for us to seek the good of the city that we're in. To thrive and flourish, not with prosperity materially, but to thrive and flourish in a relationship with the true King and Creator. God, show us the way. Show us how to move forward in this. Maybe do the work of refining this passion, this conviction. Give direction ahead. And for every individual in here who who is feeling the call to stand up and to move into an area of ministry of, of, of serving those in need with the things that they have, I pray that you would provide their resources, give them vision and clarity on how to move ahead. God, we know this gospel isn't a social gospel, ultimately. It redeems us back to you and gives us access into the kingdom of God. But God, we know that your kingdom has implications for life here on earth, for what it looks like when your kingdom invades a space here on earth where your will is done. So God, we pray that we would be a part of that, that we would take the things that are in this culture that might be broken or taken uh, from your purposes and may we bring them back into you. May we find ways to redeem the culture, redeem the city, God, we pray. We pray for Waynesboro, Stanton. We pray for Fishersville, Stewart's Draft. We pray for uh, Afton, for this whole area, God, all of these cities, all of these towns and regions, we pray that your kingdom would come here. And may we be instruments, tools in your hands that you use to bring it. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.